I gotta tell you, uh, when I kind of looked at how our schedule was gonna go today, I realized I was gonna follow the children's choir. <laughs> it's like, there's no way I can win with, with all of that. Don't you love the children? Let's give them a hand again. Yeah, they did such a great job. And I do want to encourage you that we've, we've talked about this before. We will tell the next generation. We're all about being multi-generational. I want to encourage you, as you see the kids after the service, tell them what a great job they did, all right? And thank them for what... Tell them what a great job they did, all right? There we go. Good. <laughs> Glad that you're a part of that because uh, just we want, we want them to have a perception of the church, which is also eventually the perception of God, of a loving, warm, accepting, encouraging place. Amen? Good. So um, we have been in this series, uh, Heaven on Earth, uh, and we have a scripture that kind of ties into that uh, that's super important that we're doing our memory uh, thing, memory scripture. Uh, so uh, if you would, uh, there we go. Uh, let's say this together. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. And I think this is interesting that the very first request uh, is that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and we're going to kind of talk about that with Christmas Eve and, and all of those sorts of uh, things. But uh, I, I hope that is your prayer. If you, if you get no other prayer, get your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life and in the life of the world uh, around us. So as you have already heard, the fourth Sunday of Advent is about love. Uh, so I thought I would start with a little a question here and see uh, where we're at. Uh, what do you love? I love bacon. Anyone else love bacon? Oh yeah, that's a very popular one, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also love boats. Uh, and, and so on, on Facebook and things like that, I, I, I like to look at boats. And I got into looking at yachts. And so like now my Facebook feed is filled with yachts that you can have for a mere $25 million, right? So that's not happening, you know. Um, I also love to laugh, and you've seen that in me as well. What do you love? Give me, just toss it out here. My wife, good plan. Kramer gets bonus points as a husband. <laughs> okay, guys, how many of you love your wives? Okay, yeah, okay, good. All your hands should be raised. Um, what else, what do you love? Cake, what? A dog. Yeah, yeah, you really love our animals, absolutely. Children. What? Dogs, a dog, yeah, absolutely. I heard someone else back there. Family. Friends. Friends. Dogs. Dogs are really popular. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. Well, it's just, you know, backwards how you spell it. It's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but the dogs are popular. Any cat lovers? Do we have cat lovers? Okay, good. Yeah, we've got to have a diverse congregation, you know, dog lovers and cat lovers, all, all of those. Well, um, Everybody has something like that, uh, but uh, the, the, the difficulty we're going to have, we've, all through Advent I've said to this, whatever word we're working on, hope, joy, peace, that there's always a, a large gap between what the word in English means and, and what the biblical text is talking about, right? And there is none more than this, this word love. Uh, th this word lo love in, in English is just all over the map, all the way from bacon to your kids and wife that you would give your life for, right? And, and it's all, everything in, in between uh, that. Um, and so 
there, there's a sense in which for me, whenever we come to love, it just always feels like we live in a culture um, that has kind of cheapened the word, right? If I can use the same word for bacon that I use for my children and my wife, that, that that's just, it confuses the thing. And we live in a world where people talk about that kind of thing at all. So I thought I'd do a really quick kind of uh, run through of words in the original biblical language, most of which don't appear, but that, that is some version that sometimes we translate or we talk about uh, as love. And there's eight of them. Some say six, but I'm going to put them all in there. Of course, uh, the first one is eros, romantic or passionate love. And I think we kind of live in a time where people love love. You know, if you look at a lot of programs, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. And there is nothing wrong with eros, okay? Amen? I, I love my wife. It's, it's a romantic love uh, for her. And, and you know, it, it's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Uh, but it is the one that is probably most prominent in our culture today. When you say love, uh, people tend to think in that category. Uh, and one of the examples I give of this is for most men, we feel awkward saying, I love you to another man. Because it's like, oh, yeah, but I don't mean that other thing. And I'm, you know, and, and so we, we just kind of struggle. Again, nothing wrong with it, but it has kind of taken over the English word in a lot of ways. So let's look at uh, some of these. Uh, kind of Eros, the, the first one we talked uh, about there. And then the, uh, the second one is philia. Oops, jumped to there. Philia, which is affectionate or brotherly love, right? Hey, guys, when you know, hey, my brother, you know, you kind of give him a man hug kind of thing. Yeah, any of you ever give man hugs, guys? You know, it's kind of that shoulder thing, and, you know, I don't, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Um, well, there's no maybe about it. I'm weird. But, but I didn't think I was weird in this category, you know. Uh, or or uh, this one, uh, the next one, storge is familial love, you know, our family. This is a very strong kind of love. This is love uh, for our children and, and for the people that matter most uh, in our lives. Uh, and then uh, mania, I believe. So I know we have some people in our congregation who are better Greek than me. So if I get these wrong, just give me grace, okay? Uh, which is obsessive love. And I had never known that one before. I have a hard time of thinking of uh, obsession as love, but that's one of the words. Uh, and then another one is ludus, I believe, and it's playful love. And this is a fun love, right? You know, I, I, uh, this probably comes as a surprise. I'm a bit of a tease. Uh, and I enjoy teasing my wife and teasing my kids. Uh, and it was really fun teasing my kids growing up until I realized that they were just like me and now they tease me. Only they're better at it than I was and they gang up on me, you know? But it's a, it's a, it's a good love. It's a, it's a playful love. Uh, and, and then uh, preg, pragma, pragme, uh, which is enduring love, which is a part of the love we have for spouse and family and friends and all of those sort of things. Uh, and then the last one, uh, and this one I'm really not sure about, filutia, I think, uh, is self-love uh, that, that we all should have. I, our society in some ways both struggles with that and has so much of it that it kind of throws them off. But the love that we really want to talk about, the love that's in the Bible, you all know as agape. Say agape. Yeah, which is selfless or self-sacrificing love. A love that, that puts the other person foot first in some sort of way. Uh, and Jesus put it this way in John 15. He defined love for us, okay? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their life for their friends. So whenever we talk about love, we're not talking about the definition you get from out there, even for good forms of love. We are talking about love agape, and in this case, Jesus defined that word for his followers, which is this self-sacrificing, lay down your life for one another. Um, 
So a- another way to put that that I've thought about as I'm trying to get this in modern language is this. Giving up something that is rightfully mine to serve the one I love. I mean, we live in a world that so talks about rights. I have the right. I have this right. I don't do that. I'm not going to do that because I have a right, you know? Well, agape in some sense is giving up something that's rightfully yours. Indeed, you have a right. But what does Christ say about that? <laughs> well, what does it mean to really love that person? It, it means giving up your rights to serve the, the one, one you love. So let's say this together, okay? Giving up something that is rightfully mine to serve the one I love. So another way of saying it, and I'm just trying to get at this from English. Biblically, love is putting the best interest of others ahead of yourself putting the best interest of others ahead of yourself. And this is where I, I kind of want to answer the criticism because I hear preachers talk about it. It's like, it can't all be love. There's got to be some sort of justice in there. There's got to be some sort of discipline in there. There's all those sorts of things. As if love was on one end of the scale and discipline was on the other. But that's not true. What we need to talk about is loving discipline, amen? I mean, you all disciplined your children not because you didn't love them, but because you do love them, Amen? And and the difference is that that discipline out of love is redemptive. But discipline in the ultimate sense of justice is about balancing the scales or paying their debt to society and and all of that. And and so it's just so important that you understand that love is what what it's all all about in in this world. So now we're going to try and jump to the other side. Let's talk about the opposite. Um, The opposite of love isn't hate, it's selfishness. Real love is selfless, not selfish. So if it's about doing what's in the best interest of the other person, then obviously the, 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 the opposite of it is to, to be selfish about what I'm doing. I'm doing that for you. I'm not doing any of that, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, and, and that will break down relationships faster than anything else. So let's say this line together. Real love is selfish, selfless, <laughs> Ooh, not selfish, okay? Selfless, not not selfish in, in, in our lives. So, so it's about laying down our lives. And, and, you know, it's kind of, there's a sense in which, yes, I will die for my family. But I'm not sure that's what's being talked about. Certainly Christ died for us. But we live in a society where it's unlikely that you will be asked to die for your children or your wife or the, the people of you love, you love. There won't be any grand gesture. More likely, laying down your life is that stuff we do every day for the people we love. The on again, on again, on again relentlessness of learning to serve someone else, of laying down our lives daily and weekly and monthly, of making sacrifices, doing what you don't want to do because you love them. Real quiet in here. Can I give you, if if, if I could, you know, when I talk to couples and marriage and that sort of thing, this is just so important to me. Doing what you don't want to do because you love them. Amen? I have discovered that. My wife has a servant's heart. And, and she will do all kinds of things. And I'm really sure she's doing them because she loves me, not because she loves doing the things she's doing. Amen? And, and that, that's a part of what we do. And there's something powerful about that. When we learn to sacrifice for others and just the day-to-day stuff, over time it begins to change us. I have become a much better servant doing the things I don't want to do because I have lived with her for almost in 
next September it'll be 40 years, right? She's changed me. She's, so, so ladies, if you want to change him, don't, don't bark at him. That won't work, okay? Any guys want to say amen at that point? <laughs> Show him. Show him. Teach him through that way. Because I think in general, ladies are, are, are better at this, laying down uh, y- your life in, in all the ways that, that we do that to serve one another. Um, it's, it's what makes marriage work. It's what makes parenting work. Amen? Serving one another. I mean, how many of you have been in that place where your kid is crying in the middle of the night, screaming in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., and it's the third time they've done it? And you do in bed this, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. No, I did it last time. No, I did it last time, right? And sooner or later, somebody gets out of bed and goes and takes care of it. Nobody wants to get out of the bed in contact, that context. It, it's serving. It's agape. It's laying down my life. It's, it's laying down what is best for me in all of that. And some of you, some of you, every morning you get up and go to a job you hate but it puts shoes on your children's feet, food in their mouth, and a roof over their head. That's agape. Agape is not like the romantic, woohoo, this is so much fun. You know, when you agape people, eventually you get to the, the fun part too, but, but there, there's, it, it's, it's the thing upon which society is built on is this service to one another. And when we forget that, the community breaks down. If you are a part of our church, your task is to serve others, okay? And all of you who are thinking, oh good, somebody's gonna serve me, your task is to serve them too, amen? That we will be a serving community in the midst of all of this, okay? Every parent knows this, everyone who's lived long knows this, regular sacrifice. Real love is hard work. Real love is hard work, but it is worth it. Because we get to experience this ideal of being loved, loving and, 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 and being loved in all that we do. Here's, here's how Jesus kind of put it. In Matthew uh, 22, he said, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, okay, so what's happened here is they've been having this theological debate and Jesus has just been crushing them, right, you know? And, and so uh, they, they think to, uh, they're going to get him now because they're going to ask him to kind of bottom line this whole thing, you know? Um, and so Sadducees and Pharisees, religious leaders, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, right? So this is a guy that knows it all tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the thing that everything else is built on? What's the thing that matters most? If you've got to choose between this and that, how do we decide that? What's the thing that is the most important thing? Super important question. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And that was the whole person This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the part that gets me every time. All of the law and prophets, that was all of their religion, hang on these two commandments. Can't separate them. All of the law and the prophets hang on on these, these, these two commandments. And this is a lot to remember, and I'm not necessarily a particularly bright guy, so I have reduced it down to the Craig Laughlin translation, paraphrase of these verses, and it goes like this. Uh, No, that's not it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, 
I don't know where that slide went to. I thought I had that in, in, this, in me. So, so here's what I've... Oh, there it is. It's jumping. Okay. So here's... here's don't you love technology, you know? That's all. So here's how I've reduced it. Love God with your whole being, right? Your mind, your body, your soul, all of that. Love the people around you like family. That means as you love yourself, right? Because in their world, that was family. Okay? All your religion must be built on this. Love God with your whole being. Love the people around you like family. All of your religion must be built on this. Say this with me. Love Love all Yes, this is, this is what it all comes down to. Everything after this is commentary. Everything after this is how do we go about loving people? How do we care for them? How do we love on them? And, and it's so important that we get this in, in, in our lives, that everything we do must be driven by love. Amen? In every relationship, that's the most important thing. If you have to sacrifice love, you're sacrificing the wrong thing. Sacrifice something else, but don't sacrifice uh, love in all of this. In fact, uh, Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, said it really, really clearly. I'm not going to put it all up there, but basically he said, if you speak in an angel language but do not have love, you are an irritating gong. Any of you have experience with irritating gongs? We had some uh, neighbors that put a wind chime out uh, in, front of their, in the front and where I was... And that thing's going off all night long because we live on the side of a hill and the wind comes in. I thought, that is an irritating gong. And I was very tempted to go over and fix it for them. <laughs> oh, like you haven't been tempted with something like that, right? It just made excessive noise. It had no value other than the fact that it made noise. And it wasn't even particularly nice noise, right? It was just noise in, in all of that. So if, if you are so spiritual that you can speak with angel language, but you don't have love, you're just a loud, irritating gong, wind chime dealy bobber. (laughs) Or if you prophesy, if you can prophesy, and, and if you have knowledge, you know more than everybody else, and you have great faith, but you don't have love, it says you're nothing. You're, you're, you're nothing, nothing at all. Or, if you give to the poor and you suffer persecution, you gain nothing. And at the end of all of that, he says, the greatest thing is love. So we got the message that Jesus was talking about. So now all these these years later, maybe a couple decades later, he's still coming back to the most important thing is love. Amen? Amen? Which brings me to this point. The Christmas story is really a love story. It's a love story for us. The God of the universe is loving us like he, and he wants us to love him back and to love one another. We are his people and we are to love and care for one another and we're to love God with all that we are with our whole being. In fact, I, I think one of the greatest things and, and scariest things about the, uh, the Christmas story is this. Uh, the baby in the manger came to earth on a mission on a mission. It just didn't happen so we could have this cute story about a baby. And you know the the end of the story. This is the the beginning of the story. And the end of the story kind of happens Easter and then his appearances and eventually Pentecost. But the end of the story is that he would give his all for us. That he would love us so much that he would in fact die for us. That he would give up his life. 
And the Christmas story, well, this is that famous verse. For God so loved, this is why he did it, because he loved, the world that he gave his only son, this is what he did. And I, I need to pause right here, because I, I will tell you the idea of a father giving his son for sacrifice makes me very uncomfortable. In fact, this reads like child abuse. But you have to understand, God is three and God is one. This isn't God making his child go do something. This is God as the son himself coming. Does that make sense? And I know that language is a little funky, but this is actually God coming down uh, for us. That whosoever believes or puts their trust in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And, and, and so I, I want you to understand that he, he gave everything, he, that you would not perish, that you would not be destroyed, is what that perish kind of idea carries in, in, in all of that. Um, and, and instead, that you might have eternal life, that you might have God life. And, and when we think eternal life, sometimes we get to thinking about heaven, right? And I'm looking forward to heaven. Am I the only one looking forward to heaven? I don't know about you, but I'm, last week when I told you I was going to embarrass you with my dancing, maybe you're going, well, you know, we need to think about this a little bit. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but, but eternal life, but actually the word there is much bigger than just eternal life or everlasting life or heaven. It, it implies the idea of salvation in this idea, this world, and it implies the idea of, of, of kind of a complete salvation of God working in us. And so the good news is this, salvation begins in this life, Amen. And get this, just like you can get your spouse to change by loving them, God loves us, and over the course of time, he changes us more and more and more into the image of Christ. What great salvation we have. I, I just almost feel like heaven is the bonus at the end, right? You, you get to, to live in relationship and love one another, and, and you get to do the work of Christ and the mission of Christ and tell people about how great God is and how their life will be better with him and how he'll, he'll work to clean the past and relieve the guilt and all of those things. And then at the end, you get to the end of life having lived this life following Jesus, and surprise, surprise, you get to live eternally with him and with each other. Man, that's a, that's a good deal. Some of you are thinking, oh, so long as your mansion isn't next to mine, we'll be okay, you know. You're just a little intense for me and all of that. And then, and then look, um, the, next, the next verse is so wonderful. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That saved word, okay, in all of that. And I, I, we need to talk this, about this word judge just a little bit because I help people say, yes, we are supposed to judge. The, unfortunately, the word judge carries a double meaning. There's a certain sense in which judge carries the idea of to pick out or to choose, right? So I eat a lot of apples. Uh, I just like apples and they kind of settle my stomach. And so every night I eat an apple and my wife takes an apple in her lunch every day. So we go through like lots of apples. So I've become an expert on apples. And I, I pick out which kind I want, and I vary because they taste differently. Do you know that apples taste differently based on which ones you know? Or bread delicious, which don't taste at all. But um, I, I pick, and then within that, I, I pick out the ones I like. And so when I go to it, if you're going to eat an apple every day, you get picky about it. And that, that I judge between apples. I, I like this one, I don't like that one. But there's another sense in the which the word judge carries the idea of to pass judgment on. It's a moral kind of thing, right? And so uh, it, it means that I find you guilty or I find you innocent or, 
You're not living up to what you're supposed to do. And that's what Jesus is talking in here. God did not send his son into the world to pass judgment on the world. Okay, y'all should be going, woohoo! <laughs> There's a crowd back there that likes to, likes to get after it. Because the truth of the matter is if he, he passed judgment on all of us, we're all in trouble, amen? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the good news of the message of Jesus is that he did not come to judge us, to pass judgment on us. He came to the world that we might be saved. It's it's a wrong word from before, right word now. A completely changed and transformed and made into the image of Christ in our lives. Uh, To deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, to do well, to make whole. That's what those words. God wants to make you whole. Right? And that stuff on the inside and that thing from your past and that deal you're struggling with, God wants to work in your life in that. And I've had people, this is always hard, people will sometimes say to me, well, I, I, I got to get my life cleaned up before I come to Jesus. I'm like, uh, Jesus is the one that does the cleaning, right? You know, any of you ever hired someone to clean your house? And if you have a wife like mine, that means she cleans it up before the person comes to clean it up. Because she doesn't want it to look, you know, and I'm always like, what? <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's the way it is with Christ. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. Christ can make it whole. Christ can work powerfully in your life to change it for the better in all of that. And so, here's the good news. God loves you so much that he sacrificed everything to win you back. To, to, to bring you back, to give you abundant life. I love scripture it talks about came to give us life and that more abundantly. And the abundantly doesn't mean you're going to live longer, right? We all come with an expiration date. But it means in this life there is this abundant spiritual life that we were all designed to have. And, and, and if, if you don't have that, you, there's probably a place that you feel an emptiness in your life in some way and you can't fill it up. People try to fill it up with all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, relationships that don't you know, work out or you know, money or things or celebrity or or whatever. And it doesn't because the only thing that will satisfy your soul is the abundant life that Christ gives. And he came to make that possible for you, the eternal life in, in all of that. Sinners are not the enemy. They're estranged family, okay? They're not the enemy. So here, let me say it this way. God loves your neighbor so much that he sacrificed everything to win them back. I, um, maybe my favorite story in, the, in Scripture is the story of the prodigal son. And it, it's the story of two sons, and one's, you know, got to be a firstborn. He's on task and doing all that he's supposed to do and running the farm and all of that. And the second son is a little squirrely. In fact, he's out partying and doing all those sorts of things. And so one day he says to his dad, I want my inheritance now. Which, I mean, can you imagine your kid coming and saying, I wish you were dead so I could get the money. You know, I mean, it's kind of an unnerving, discomforting kind of story. And the father amazingly says to him, okay. And in their culture, that would have meant he would have taken a third of the estate. They would have had to sell land probably, all kinds of, it would have been horrible for them. And he takes all the money and he goes out and he is going to live life to the fullest. And he does. He lives life to the fullest for a while. He had great friends. Everything was wonderful. Drove a Ferrari, man, or a, whatever the animal camel equivalent of a Ferrari is, um, and, 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 and until the money ran out. He was filling that hole with the money and the stuff. 
And then the best part of this story, because that kind of plays out all the time, is he finally figured out, you know, even my dad's servants do better than I do. I'm going to go back and see if I can be a servant to my dad. And the wonderful part of that story is that when the dad sees him coming, he picks up his robes, which would have been humiliating, in fact, for a Jew in the first century, and he runs to greet his son, wraps him up, and says, my son who was lost has come home. Kill the fatted calf, prepare the feast, put a ring on his finger, which meant he was one of us, he's a part of the family again, no servant for you. Put shoes on his feet, and we're going to celebrate. And I know we live in a time where a lot of preaching talks about how God is so angry with you. And turn or burn, you know, fire insurance, you better get right with God so you don't go to hell. Can I tell you, that is not where God is. God is not the, you messed up, I'm going to get you if you don't get it right. You serve a God that when you turn towards him, runs to grasp you and embrace you and to give you the life that is eternal because he loves you. And that's why love is so important. I would do anything for my children. I tell people sometimes I learned more about the heart of God when I had children than all of the schooling in undergrad and in grad school because I got it for the first time. When my daughter was born and I'm holding it in her hands and she's this slobbery, smelly, all kinds of stuff coming out of her. I was meeting her for the first moment and I knew in that instant I would give my life for her to preserve her life. It makes no sense. And I'm not a particularly great parent because of that. You all experience that in some sort of sense when you hold that child and you realize, and so it is for God. God loves you so much. You are estranged from him for sure. But he is welcoming you back. He wants you back. He loves you. So here's what I say all the time. For those of you who are regulars, you'll recognize this. God loves you more than you love your children. More. I can't imagine that. I can't get my head around that. But it gives me great comfort to know that. First John says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, and again, God in the flesh, into the world that we might live through him. Okay, let me try that again. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Yes, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atonement means he, he paid the price and I, I think, I think there's a, a connection between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Like God created the physical realm, and, and I, I think he created a lot like the physical realm. And in, in, in our realm, and I'm not a physicist or an engineer, but there's this law that says for every action, there's an equal and opposite. Right, for everything. I, I think sin is like that. I think for sin, there's, there's a reaction that comes in all of that, and, and there are consequences that come for, for sin. Just like raising kids, you teach them, you know, choices and consequences and, and all of that part of it. And I think what Jesus did was he stepped in and took the consequences of your sin and my sin. He stepped in and took the consequences of your sin and my sin. I know I'm not a great preacher, but every once in a while I say something that's right, okay? And that's right. I'm going to tell a story that I tell a lot because it just profoundly helped me understand what they call atonement theory. Um, when I was a, a, I don't know, I must have been 12, 
something like that. I had just learned to ride my bike without holding onto the handlebars, and I'd gotten so I could go around corners like that. I know, stupid, just hit something wrong and you die, but, but I got to that point, and um, this particular Christmas, as it was, uh, I got for Christmas what they call a wrist rocket. You know what a wrist rocket is? It's that slingshot that went, you know, they were really popular. And I was out afterwards uh, riding around the block with my wrist rocket and my bike, and I was, you know, kind of up. I wasn't doing it. I was really fun, and I went, got past our house and our neighbor's house, and our neighbors had just put in kind of their big Christmas present was a plate glass window. So this is the 60s, early 70s. Plate glass windows were extremely expensive, and they had to kind of remodel the front to get it in there. They were very proud of it. You could see right in their house. Uh, we could, they could see out at all of us. And as we're going by, my ADHD kicked in in a big, big kind of way. One of the things about ADHD is you don't think about the consequences of, of your actions, right? And so I'm going by there, and I, I put a thing in my thing, and I, I pulled it back, and I aimed at their window. Don't know what I was thinking. And I let go of it, and for the first time in my life, I hit what I was aiming with, with slingshot. I, of course, did not tell my dad or mom about this, but apparently one of the neighbors had seen me and ratted on me, and that evening, there was a big knock on our back door, with our kitchen was there, and a very, very angry, very big <laughs> neighbor came over, and he was raging. And I remember standing there, and he was a few feet from me, and he was just screaming at me, and you're going to pay for it, and I got called all kinds of names, and my dad was standing aside, kind of watching what was going on, and like, just dumbfounded at that. And at one point, the neighbor took a step towards me, and my dad stepped between us, and he took the rage in that man, and he took the abusive language and all that went through all of that. And at the end of the day, he paid for that window and all, and it was expensive, and we didn't make a lot of money. You see, I think God is like that. I think God steps between us and the consequences of our sin. You know, I, I think that, that he spares us because he loves us, just as my father did in that moment. And I want you to know this morning, no matter what's going on in your life, God offers you life eternal and forgiveness for the past. Look to the person next to you and say, God offers you forgiveness for the past. Because at the end of the day, I believe with all of my heart, love wins. Love, love wins. That's the story of, that we're talking about here is that it comes as a baby, helpless, and, and all these things that go on, and we're going to talk in the next couple Sundays about what happens after this story uh, as, as we get together with, with that. But I believe in the end of the day, love wins. Now, love may make a huge sacrifice. Love is sacrificial. That's what the cross is. That's what Easter is. Man, if you, if you don't get a chance to come again anytime between now and Easter, come at Easter, because you're going to love that story. <laughs> He breaks the power, but I believe it wins. Selfishness has a way of consuming itself. Love gives life. Get that in your head. Selfishness has a way of consuming itself. Have you ever met somebody who's really, really selfish? It just gets more and more inward, and they alienate more and more people, and they're alone more. And it comes down, and then they're, they're just miserable. I think the Christmas story of Scrooge is probably that. But love, love has a way of giving life to the people around you who then give life back to you. The one who loves you most sacrificed everything to make a way home for you. And that's the Christmas story. It's just the beginning. 
but it's the beginning of the greatest story the world has known, and it is a love story. Amen? If our musicians would come tonight, we are going to um, have our Christmas Eve service, and I want to encourage you to come and, and be a part of that. We, we, we celebrate uh, by... The beginning of the story, when you come in, we'll have, by the way, 15 minutes before, there'll be some secular Christmas music. So if you like that, come and be a part of that. And then we're going to sing. Uh, we are going to uh, light the Christ candle. Uh, we are going to um, hear the Christmas story. Uh, we're going to and, and do the darkness and the candle. If you haven't ever been there for that, that is so powerful. And it is pitch black in here uh, when we do that. Now, some of you are saying, why do you go Christ is born on Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day. Well, here's the deal, okay? For Jewish people in the first century, the day began with sundown. Ah! And so Christ is born. Christ has come. Sunday, uh, Christmas morning, you're just kind of continuing the party, but it began that night. Amen? Okay. So I want to invite you to come and be a part of it. We're going to sing uh, what I think of as, as maybe the best Christmas song uh, ever a best advent song in this time where we have waited and we've waited and we've waited and tonight we celebrate the right revival it's called come thou long expected jesus hey church family thank you so much for watching this video we hope that god is inspiring you and working in your life if so make sure you send this video to a friend so that they can be impacted by the good news of the gospel as well make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single video and as always, we hope that God is continuing to work and move in your life. Thanks again for watching. God bless.